Welcome to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD. <laughs> Hey, Bo. Hey. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> Good afternoon to you, too, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Man. Doing great. Just uh, finishing up my cup of coffee here. Yeah. And enjoying the sunshine and good afternoon. Good company. Yeah. Good I mean, content. We, got a, we got a little we got a little, little sunshine, a little bit. It's a little overcast. A little overcast, yeah. Right now, but it, it's still bright outside. It's one of those cloudy days that's a little bright. And um, anyway, yeah, man, it's a good day. It's yeah. Been, it's been a fun trip. I, you know, it's 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 all great. I mean, of course, we are podcasting in the city where the heat is on. Is on. Yeah. <laughs> it's been nice. <laughs> hey, keep that song. Ouch. You know what? Actually, we're not going to do the joke. Uh, y'all, welcome to Country Squad Radio. Of course, we are really, really excited to uh, be able to be podcasting together. And honestly, the reason we can do this podcast is because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Radio for the Country Squad Radio International Pipe Club. Man, we got some new members we got to give a shout out to this yeah. week. We've got Michael... Ivy or Evie. It's I-V-I-E. Yeah. Evie Michael is, Ivy. is the name of a Pokemon. So I'm going to call him Michael <laughs> Evie. Okay, great. Got to catch them all. Uh, <laughs> we've also got a Houston, who is also a new patron as well. So Houston, thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Justin. Yes, uh, we really appreciate y'all. And of course, if you'd like to help make this show happen, head over to patreon.com slash country squire radio today. All right. So, hmm. <laughs> so we, of course, have got these wonderful new series. Yeah. You know, I, I think probably by the next time that we record, we'll no longer refer to them as new series. I don't think we have to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we're getting to the point where, you know, it's it's been introduced and we, you know, we don't want to belabor it too much. But yeah, we, we have a few things that we've kind of worked into the wrinkles of the show recently. One of them is a opportunity for Bo and I to sit together and and engage with you as well, listener, hopefully smoking a pipe and digest some interesting reading content and then just, you know, have a small discussion about it. And, yeah, uh, which is good. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, the reason why I think it's, it's good to still acknowledge the fact that this is new is because we put we recorded this content. We recorded kind of the initial episodes. We put them out. And now we're coming back together after this kind of in-between period where we've kind of received feedback. Yeah. And the from the library and father to father were kind of two of the ones I think we were kind of the most nervous about, I guess. Sure, yeah. Uh, father to father has been universally well-received, and that's been really, really awesome. From the library is one that has been broadly received well. Most people have been really, really enjoying it. And I think there's a, there's kind of like a, What's the right word that I'm looking for here? It, like a, like the library or study itself, you kind of step in and you're surrounded by all of these books, all of the potential narratives, all of the potential thoughts that are there. Yeah, yeah. It is such a kind of a broad spectrum of a place of kind of contemplation and to potentially go into. And I think that some people look at that and get excited about yeah. where the series could go and, and how, how it could be fun. And some people, the broadness of it makes them feel a little uneasy and it's a little, you know, a little different sure. from what they're kind of accustomed to. Um, and I mean, you know, the subject matter can range wildly. It's going to today. <laughs> I, I, this is from what I understand. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to dive into it. But I, I think it's, it's kind of one of those things where it needs to yeah. be acknowledged because as we are kind of, you know, going through the series and kind of exploring them, you know, yeah. we're, we're gathering that feedback, which is good, but we're, we're not necessarily stopping doing it because we, we, yeah. we, this is kind of our plan. And honestly, you're really excited about this series. 
it's one of those things where if we're really, if our goal really is to step into what it's like to be in an environment where folks drop their guard and wrestle with things of importance, then I feel like we have to do this. And, and, and I'm excited about doing it as, so, as the, as yeah. the, the patron saints of the, the country squire, this <laughs> is, you are welcoming people in this, into the country squire, sit at the tobacco bar, puff your pipe. We're going to bust open this book and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Or, or a piece of literature, a poem, piece of, or maybe some you. poetry, maybe some uh, a short story or an essay. We are stepping into the yeah. mind of John David Cole to some extent. Well, or or Bo York or other other Maybe suggestions. eventually. Maybe other eventually. suggestions that maybe people people send in things that they'd like us to to consider as well. And so, okay. yeah, think of it as almost like Country Squire Radio's book club, you know? Okay. Or, right. or like, you know, reading club or something. Except like. we're not sticking yeah. with one book and we're not telling you what to read. Right. It just, it kind of is what it is. Right. All right. <laughs> uh, the, the weird thing is, I remember being nervous about this last time and then afterwards I really enjoyed it. But now we're going back into it again. I feel nervous again. And you're nervous again. I do. Probably I just because you it. can't say the guy's name on the book. Tahachi Nahat Hanan. I'm so happy right now. Did I do it right? <laughs> Help me today, out today. Today we have Thick Nawat Hanan. I'm I'm so I'm so happy right now. Thikachi, hang on. Thaichi, Scheitzer. Sorry to our German listeners who just heard me curse in German. That's that's how I get around cursing around my kids. Even though this author is from Vietnam, yeah. So no uh, Vietnamese curse words, man. Uh, today and from the library, we are going to read a few little excerpts from a book called "The Miracle of Mindfulness," and it is by Tik Nhat Han. Show off, who uh, of course is the, the uh, incredible, you know, monk of the 20th century. He actually just died uh, earlier this oh. year. Actually, oh wow, actually yeah, died yeah. in January of this year. A- and, approximately how old? Do you uh, it was 95, I think. Wow. And so okay, uh, yeah. you know, lived a long life and lots of work in his life on, you know, anti-war stuff and, you know, sustainable living and, you know, a lot of things that you would think of, you know, maybe a, someone that's a Buddhist monk might be involved in some of those things. So well known for some of those deals, but, you know, really had kind of an influence, particularly in the late 20th century, I think, over the concept of being present, being mindful. And again, you know, okay. Bo and I here hmm. not speaking as you know, Buddhists or certainly as anyone that's, you know, knows much about Buddhism, certainly. No, but I mean, one thing that Country Square Radio listeners know is, you know, we, we don't shy away from talking about our faith, but yeah, we also kinda, don't exclude and, other people's faith and, as well. And we also like, think, we're, we're you know, that other folks have maybe some th- interesting things to say about about some things that, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so... Common grace, um, baby. Thich Nhat Hanh, during his career, you know, really wanted to popularize the... You know how, like, during the, you know, 80s and early... 90s like Carl Sagan was out there like and Neil deGrasse Tyson now you know these are the guys like hey I'm the I'm the face of like popular science today and I want I want you to get fired up about like right you know the cosmos and astronomy and you know black holes and all this kind of stuff well it Thich Nhat Hanh was kind of that that voice but for meditation for mindfulness okay and and okay. really had an influence. Well, he just and you died. said this was so, circa I mean, it was late what, late twentieth century and early early of this uh, this century. So, right. And so just had this kind of school of thought about being present, living in the moment, trying not to live for the next moment or be distracted, but to live for 
live for right now and actually actually experience what you're trying to experience. And so anyway, so uh, he's got this book, The Miracle of Mindfulness. We're just going to read a few excerpts from this. And I, I do think that this dovetails nicely with pipe smoking. I mean, you're already using a lot of language that is familiar to the pipe country square radio smoking listener. language. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when, when you think about being present and being mindful, you kind of have to be to smoke a pipe, you know? Yeah. Your, your, your pipe almost forces you to be, it, it forces you to, to not talk at sometimes. It forces you to focus on what's actually happening inside the bowl of the pipe. It forces you to tend to it and care to it in a way that fathers that flame. And so I, I just think that's a, that's an interesting kind of tangential, that mindfulness in, in pipe smoking, they're, they're related in some way. And there's, I, a, there's a meditation in, in pipe smoking yeah, itself. Yeah. So from chapter one, uh, I'll pick up and then we'll um, take a break here every now and then and, and discuss. Okay, let's go. Yesterday, Alan came over to visit with his son, Joey. Joey has so has grown so quickly. He's already seven years old and is fluent in English and French. He even uses a bit of slang he's picked up on the street. Raising children here is very different from the way we raise them at home. Here, parents believe that freedom is necessary for a child's development, speaking about the United States. During the two hours that Alan and I were talking, Alan had to keep a constant eye on Joey. Joey played chattered away and interrupted us, making it impossible to carry on a real conversation. I gave him several picture books for children, but he barely glanced at them before tossing them aside and interrupting our conversation again. He demands the constant attention of grown-ups. This sounds like a father-to-father episode. I was about to say, yeah. I'm already picturing, <laughs> picturing my youngest child right now. <laughs> I know. Later, Joey put on his jacket and went outside to play with a neighbor's child. I asked Alan, do you find family life easy? He didn't answer directly. He said that during the past few weeks since the birth of Anna, he had been unable to sleep at any length of time. During the night, Sue wakes him up and because she's too tired herself, asks him to check to make sure Anna is still breathing. I get up, I look at the baby, and then I come back and fall asleep again. Sometimes this ritual happens two or three times a night. Is family life easier than being a bachelor, I asked. Alan didn't answer directly, but I understood. I asked another question. A lot of people say that if you have a family, you're less lonely and have more security. Is that true? Alan nodded his head and mumbled something softly, but I understood. Then Alan said, I've discovered a way to have a lot more time. In the past, I used to look at my time as if it were divided into several parts. One part I reserved for Joey, another part was for Sue, another part was to help with Anna, another part was for household work, and the time left over I considered my own time. I could read, I could write, I could do research, go for walks. But now I tried not to divide my time into parts anymore. I consider my time with Joey and Sue as my own time. When I help Joey with some of his homework, I try to find ways of seeing his time as my own time. I go through his lesson with him, sharing his presence and finding ways to be interested in what we're doing during that time. The time for him becomes my own time. That same thing with Sue. The remarkable thing is that now I have unlimited time for myself. Alan smiled as he spoke. I was surprised. I knew that Alan hadn't learned this from reading any books. This was something he had discovered for himself and for his own daily life. We'll pause there just briefly. So he, 
uh, Thich Nhat Hanh starts out immediately by referencing in chapter one, this friend of his, Alan, who's got this son, Joey, who's, you know, restless and kind of taking over uh, the conversation and is constantly the, uh, you know, center of attention. And he's trying to, you know, the the monk is trying to engage with this person. It's like, man, how do you live in this kind of back and forth? And it seems kind of crazy. And t- tell me about your experience with that. And he and he's kind of letting himself, you know, be understood and that he, you know, he used to find time like this with his son or with something else as a competing force, as something right, that's right, competing right. against his own personal time. But now it's almost like, you know, this is something I I have to consider this a part of my story now, mm. not just his story, but yeah. my story. This is not just time for my son, but it's time it's time for me as well. And you know, when I read that, I that that's fascinating to me to think about that. That that reframe is very helpful to me. Absolutely. In some sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get you, you get caught up particularly as parents, you know. There's that crossover piece, but you know, thinking about like, okay, I'm spending this time with, with my daughter. I, you know, it'll be nice when she goes to bed so that I can do X, Y, or Z thing. Right. Right. But it's like, if you can, if you can start thinking of it as no, this is my time. This is something that I get to do as well with her and engage with her in a meaningful way that is going to enrich both of our lives. That, that, that's a helpful reframe, you know? Well, and when you separate your time so much from your family, it does a disservice to both. Like I remember like mm, I yeah. recently, so my oldest, she came to me and she was like, she's like, dad, I really want to play video games with you. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, I, I just, I don't have the energy for this right now. I'm trying to do this, that, and the yeah, other. And like, yeah. we just, you know, spent times riding bikes or whatever it was. And, you know, and, and like trying to kind of compartmentalize and, and it, not even that it was like thinking ahead, like, well, tomorrow I'm taking you to volleyball and like right. kind of these different kind of components. And then like, and so I told her no. And then I'm like, your daughter just asked you to play a game to play video games. One of your favorite things to do. This is like cha-ching. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? This is like, this is, this is like you've, you've arrived at some point. She is not going to want to do that with you forever. Yeah. And so part of that's like that guilt factor of that's like that, that yeah. missing out the moment. But I think what you're saying or what I guess he's saying in this book or kind of setting up in this book is it's more of like a reframe. Well, no, if you kind of see this as time that you're kind of spending, like this is part of your time. It's not like you're trying to like, oh no, I've already filled up that bucket and I want, now I need to give to this bucket. It's like, no, 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 this is all kind of like mixed in together. Right. It kind of keeps you from keeping something else so precious that it keeps you away from what would otherwise be precious. The most precious, right. you know, in some sense. And, yeah. And that, and that it is a part of, of, of your story as well as this other person's story. And and you're doing it even selfishly for yourself, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in ways that we don't quite understand. So it's an interesting way to set up this chapter. Hmm. He continues, and I love this. This this section is uh, called "Washing the Dishes to Wash the Dishes." Thirty years ago, when I was still a novice at T. Hugh Pagoda, I probably butchered that. He says washing the dishes was hardly a pleasant task during the season of retreat when all the monks returned to the monastery. Two novices had to do all the cooking and wash the dishes for sometimes well over 100 monks. There was no soap. We had only ashes, rice husks, coconut husks, and that was all. Cleaning such a high stack of bowls was a chore, especially during the winter when the water was freezing cold. Then you had to heat up a big pot of water before you could do any scrubbing. Nowadays, one stands in a kitchen equipped with liquid soap, special scrub pads, and even running hot water, which makes it all more agreeable. Is it easier to enjoy washing dishes now? 
Anyone can watch them in a hurry and then sit down and enjoy a cup of tea afterwards. I can see a machine for washing clothes, although I wash my own things out by hand. But a dishwashing machine is going just a little too far. While washing the dishes, one should only be washing the dishes. Which means that while washing the dishes, one should be completely aware of the fact that one is washing the dishes. At first glance, that might seem a little silly. (laughs) But why put so much stress on a simple thing? But that's precisely the point. The fact that I'm standing there and washing these bowls is a wondrous reality. I'm being completely myself, following my breath, conscious of my presence, and conscious of my thoughts and actions. There's no way I can be tossed around mindlessly like a bottle slapped here and there on the waves. In the United States, I have a close friend named Jim Forrest. When I first met him eight years ago, he was working with the Catholic Peace Fellowship. Last winter, Jim came to visit. I usually wash the dishes after we've finished the evening meal before sitting down and drinking tea with everyone else. One night, Jim asked if if he might do the dishes instead. I said, go ahead. But if you wish to wash the dishes, you must know the way to wash them. Mm. And Jim replied, come on, you think I don't know how to wash the dishes? (laughs) I answered, there are two ways to wash the dishes. The first is to wash the dishes in order to have clean dishes. And the second is to wash the dishes in order to wash the dishes. (laughs) Jim was delighted and said, I choose the second way, to wash the dishes, to wash the dishes. (laughs) From then on, Jim knew how to wash the dishes. I transferred the responsibility to him for an entire week. If while washing dishes, we only think of the cup of tea that awaits us afterwards, thus hurrying to get the dishes out of the way, as if they were a nuisance, then we are not really washing the dishes to wash the dishes. What's more, we are not alive during the time we are washing the dishes. In fact, we are completely incapable of realizing the miracle of life while standing at the sink. If we can't wash the dishes, the chances are we won't be able to drink our tea either. While drinking the cup of tea, we will only be thinking of other things, Mm. barely aware of the Mm. cup in our hands. Thus, we are sucked away into the future, and we are incapable of actually living one minute of life. Man, and wow! So we'll pause there a second. So, it's a, this is a mouthful, right? Well, you wash the dishes to wash the dishes. Well, what he what he's what he's getting at is we're constantly looking for the next thing to race to, you know, rather than appreciate appreciating or enjoying what's actually happening in the moment. You know, you think about the chore of washing the dishes, which, frankly, I despise. It's a chore, so I'm allergic to it anyway. And and it's like we we aren't thinking about the cleanliness of the dish or the feel of the slippery soap on our hands as it's bubbling. Right. You know, or the sparkle that happens after we, you know, wipe off the last bit of, of water, you know, or something. And that, and that's that, that's that's interesting to me. And it's like, well, we're using the the whole concept of dishes is a is a analogy here because it's something we all have to do that none of us really enjoy doing but at the same time like that's it's important work you know so it's interesting i i get what he's saying 
I mean, it's it's Yoda. You know, never his mind on where he was, what he was doing. You know, <laughs> the future adventure. A Jedi craves not these things. You are right. reckless. You know, so I I get it. Like I get I get kind of the the point. And I think actually the the thing in here that I think drives the point home is less about the actual dishes itself, but pointing out like to the the concept of the tea that by the time you actually get to what you're looking ahead to, yeah, you're not actually taking the time to really fully appreciate it. And so I think that there's there's value in that, and I understand that. I think that's an admirable philosophy. I will say that typically when I wash dishes, and I know it's a metaphor, but typically when I wash dishes, I'm typically listening to a podcast, or I very specifically try to turn my head off of what I'm doing right. and connect it with something else so that I feel like I'm using that time to gain information, gain knowledge so that when I do sit down with, you know, my wife for a cocktail, yeah. that, you know, we're kind of, I've got kind of things I can contribute to the conversation. So you can be present thing. in those moments. Exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, that's a good way to, to, to think of an alternative. It's like, well, you know, we're going through these mundane tasks and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to understand the task as much as I'm still getting through it, but I am going to try to redeem that time by, listening to country squire radio or whatever it is, you know? So this is, this is the thing though. All right. So I feel like, and maybe we'll get more into this as, as we kind of go on here. Um, but like, I feel as though the mindset of living in the moment, while I, I do understand and kind of really value the appeal of that. And like, like the mindset behind the philosophy there as someone who kind of, is more attracted. Maybe I don't know if I would qualify myself as a futurist, but as somebody who is a little bit more attracted to a futurist way of thinking, Mm -hmm. this is very contradictory. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's not efficient. It, well, it's, it's, it's less even about efficiency. I think it's really, you know, yes. When you're not, when you're living in the future, when you're, when your mindset is always to the next thing, you're not Mm. appreciating what you have now. That's true. But what you are doing is you're appreciating what's to come by developing, anticipating, and preparing for it hmm. so that others can value what happens now. I feel like both of these things in a broad sense of like community and like yeah. humanity are what's beneficial. You could argue that both kind of like if everybody was a futurist, that would be great and we'd mm-hmm. like advance much faster and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or if everybody was a, a monk or, you know, kind of practiced right. more of like living in the moment, that'd be great because we'd all be chill and not have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about new innovations. You're not pushing for new innovations because you're appreciating what you have now. Right, right. And so, you know, therein lies the modern pipe smoker, right? We kind of live in a world, we recognize kind of like the the fast-paced mm-hmm. nature of everything that we're doing. But at the same time, there's part of us that clamor for something that does kind of cause us to kind of give pause and kind of enjoy the moment. For me, as somebody who has no desire to give up a kind of looking to the future, but at the same time, still wants to be able to enjoy that tea, so to speak, right? Mm, yeah. Like the like the pipe, the practice of the pipe. I'm not rushing to get my tobacco in. I'm not rushing to like like get work that your way through the bowl or something. Yeah. Exactly. But while I'm enjoying the pipe, I probably do miss some of the delicacies of all the different flavor profiles because I'm now brought into a mental state that's maybe a little bit less on focusing on the moment and gets more into thinking into the future. Like that meditative moment for me is actually more about looking ahead as opposed to looking within. Right. Sometimes it's about looking within, but anyway, so anyway, it's, it's interesting because I'm just finding myself in attention with this. That's it. That is attention. Yeah. Though. Because if, if you think about, okay, well, mindfulness in pipe smoking, you're sitting there consuming the tobacco, making sure it stays lit properly and, you know, and, and, uh, enjoying the nuances of the flavors. 
But if it's putting you in this headspace where you're being contemplative about greater things at large or other parts of your life, right. then you're naturally going to distract yourself from the pipe right. or from whatever it is at hand, from washing the dishes or your cup of tea or whatever it is. And so it, it it's interesting. It's like that there is a tension there in some sense. It's like, well, if if pipe smoking is what I do to help me read, to help me think, to help me pray, is it bad that I'm not focusing on the pipe at every single moment? Well, and that's the thing. Maybe not. No, of course Maybe not. it's not even help me in that, but maybe it's like to comp- complement that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need the pipe for that per se, but it's yeah. just, it it adds value. But it sure to, is nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it just, it's it's nice. To smoke a pipe is to be able to stop yeah. what you're doing. Because yeah. you have to like live. In the, and I feel like, so what's kind of laid out here with kind of the dishes and the tea and everything else, like this is part of everyday life. And I think that in part, I think that there's, there's a finding a value in looking for mm-hmm. that momentary, like really appreciating what's happening right now as right. a way of reframing life. And then there's also what I think most of us find ourselves in, which is, you know, kind of creating these moments to put pause on things, which I get, I guess he's arguing against. But I'm, I guess I'm just recognizing that yeah. it's, yeah. It, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. And, and, and maybe, maybe the point is, at least in his mind to some degree, is to not see everything as something to rush through to just get to the next thing, you know? And, and, and so that we do have the luxury nowadays, you know, 30 years probably after he wrote this book of, you know, being able to pop in our earbuds and, you know, listening to some awesome content, um, you know, while our kids are asleep in the other room or, you know, whatever, and we're vacuuming or doing the dishes or whatever it is, you know, but maybe it hasn't always been that way. I, and and so this is kind of a new phenomenon. And it's like, well, how do you continue to redeem some of these things? You know, I wonder if that's selfish, um, though. I, I I get that I'm kind of like throwing in a kind of a, a question in the midst of this. And I know there's more that you wanted to read. No, we'll that's make sure we have some that's time here. But. Good. No, I mean, I think that's that's the whole point of this. Is there a desire for that, like living in the moment mindset that just is, it's such an internally focused thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Selfishness to some degree is not necessarily a bad thing. I think yeah. it's, you know what I mean? Like we, you need to care for yourself. Like mm-hmm. self-care is important. And so there is something to be said for there. But like. Mm-hmm kind of seeking a life of constant internal mindfulness. I think we do need to be mindful, but I think if we turn completely inward, then we miss the opportunity. That's a problem too. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I don't know. It's interesting. There's a tension. Yeah. There's this part of me that really like values that and appreciates that. But then there's also a part of me that like sees kind of the desire for that as kind of a desire to turn away from, from the world or turn away from like, advancement or Mm -hmm. or from that standpoint and just kind of embrace uh stagnation backwardness or not even backwardness stagnant like just being stagnant yeah good enough yeah yeah um and again that that's value right like like being content that's that's a valuable thing like like and and even you know as as um as he mentioned in the book you know nowadays we have you know soap and brillo pads and hot water heaters and you know these things to help us with washing dishes yeah is that a bad thing that we have those things now and yet he was stuck washing dishes with just ash and you know the husks from coconuts or whatever right i mean i you know that's it's not a bad thing to have soap you know it's not (laughs) 
that's it. It's not a bad thing. Like, you know, let, let's let's 2022 John David Cole. It's not a bad thing to have soap to have soap. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, why don't you use it more often? You know, but um, there's that that tension between uh-huh. like, well, how do we make life better and more productive and enjoyable? And but but then also appreciate going through the motions of the little things that we just have to do yeah. to, to be human, you know? Huh. Um, I don't know. No, it's interesting. We'll read, we'll read just a little more. A little bit more, yeah. So picking up on page 11, beginning of chapter two. Okay. Alan said that since he's begun to consider Joey and Sue's time as his own time, he has unlimited time. But perhaps he has it only in principle, because there are doubtless times when Alan forgets to consider Joey's time as his own time while going over Joey's homework with him, and thus Alan may lose that time. Alan might hope for the time to pass quickly, or he may grow impatient because that time seems wasted to him, because it isn't his own time. And so if he really wants unlimited time, he will have to keep alive the realization that this is my time throughout the time he's studying with Joey. But during such times, one's mind is inevitably distracted by other thoughts. And so if one really wants to keep one's consciousness alive, he says, from now on, I'll use the term mindfulness to Mm. refer to keeping one's consciousness alive to the present reality. Then one must practice right now in one's daily life, not only during meditation sessions. When you're walking along a path leading into a village, you can practice mindfulness. Walking along a dirt path surrounded by patches of green grass, if you practice mindfulness, you will experience that path the path leading into the village. You practice by keeping this one thought alive. I'm walking along the path leading into the village. Whether it's sunny or rainy, whether the path is dry or wet, you keep that one thought, but not just repeating it like a machine over and over. Machine thinking is the opposite of mindfulness. Hmm, That's interesting. If we're really engaged in mindfulness while we're walking along the path to the village, then we will consider the act of each step we take as an infinite wonder, and a joy will open our hearts like a flower, enabling us to enter the world of reality. I like to walk along country paths, rice plants, and wild grasses on both sides, putting each foot down in the earth in mindfulness, knowing that I walk on the wondrous earth. In such moments, existence is a miraculous and mysterious reality. People usually consider walking on water or in thin air a miracle, but I think the real miracle is not to walk either on water or in thin air, but to walk on earth. Every day we are engaged in a miracle which we don't even recognize. Mm. Blue sky, white clouds, green leaves, the black curious eyes of a child, or our own two eyes. All is a miracle. So... In essence, he's just encouraging us to look at a lot of the the experiences we go through and, you know, consider that, you know, they have meaning, they're wonderful, they are important or have value or power. I, I think we can go too far with that. It's like, do we really, you know, worship and, and you know, look at the things around us and just, can I sit all day and stare at my coffee mug and be you know, so thrilled with, you know, the, the artisan that thought about the design of the mug and like, man, they, there's a machine somewhere that some really brilliant person had to go to school to to make that machine. And that machine made that mug. And well, where did the clay come from? Where did the ceramic come from? I don't think that's too far. I think that's cool. Well, someone had to mine that in order to, 
and and then there's someone that had to uh, you know, deliver it to the factory in order to be produced into this. And then it had to be packaged and sent. And man, boy, that mug sure created a lot of jobs. And it's like, do we have to do that with every little thing that we do? <laughs> well, no, but I think, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, I, I think there's, there is value in taking a moment to consider that. Yeah. And I think that's really what it is. I think for me, that's where the value is, is taking a moment to consider that. Like the, and again, I get that it's a metaphor. But like even yeah. just kind of using that visualization of of walking the path and like taking in the beauty around you. I think that's a good thing to do. I, I do. But I also like the way my mind works is I like I have constant stories going on in my mind. And while I do understand that, like, especially those that like, you know, participate in like meditation and that sort of thing. Yeah. The, there's a goal of kind of clearing the mind and kind of getting to that uh, place of serenity. And I mean. I'm not, I'm not naysaying it, but I do think that, that there are different people. There's different ways that we engage with different things. There's different minds that I think that that, that works for. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this from like brain activity, right? Like in monitoring brain activity, different people's brains are activated in different kind of ways. Uh, you and me kind of sitting silent in a room, our brains might interact very, very differently. What mine might be going just crazy because i'm imagining like a ton of things right and yours might be like kind of relatively still waiting to like do something (laughs) you know what i mean like it's 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 completely different um from that standpoint and we're kind of built differently and so i do think that i can see the value in in his philosophy that he's kind of laying out here Mm -hmm. but i also recognize that it's a value for a certain type of person Mm. that's not me to me, I kind of pull from this yeah. as a value, like from value, like from a moment to moment standpoint, mm-hmm. but to clear my mind is to destroy worlds. You know what I mean? And <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Like, like, yeah. cause if you've got, if you've got stories that are kind of constantly going on, right. In fact, actually I'm <laughs> kind of looking ahead to our, uh, some of the, the, the store pipe question of the week this week, it'll kind of come into play, but like I've. Like, for example, I've got one, like this mass, like opus of a story that like has been playing out in my head for like the last past decade. And typically when I go for a run or I'm walking or I'm going somewhere in the back of my head, I bring back, bring forth some of these characters and think mm-hmm. about where they are and what they're doing mm-hmm. as a release story and what are their motivations, that sort of thing. I'm giving life to something. And so literally to kind of pause that, like. There's nothing wrong with pausing that and like appreciating what's around you, but to diminish that so that you're constantly living in the moment is also it, it's doing, apocalyptic. That's doing a disservice. Exactly. Yeah. And so it depends like you on said, the you're literally destroying worlds. Exactly. So, so I, again, so I, I think that there's value in what that's he's saying, but I also yeah. recognize that's value for a certain type of brain. I don't have that type of brain. <laughs> yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to me. My meditation is the pipe. Yeah. I need I need to to pause for the pipe and gain that kind of meditation and thoughtfulness and yes I do think there's appreciation and even like you use the value like the the kind of the story of the cup I love that kind of thing I love taking a moment and thinking about right the entire history of a thing I think that's beautiful I think that's awesome right but as you say like lamp you know plant like how, like I'm, I can't like can constantly that? do that how all far the time? do you yeah. go with that exactly. yeah I mean and how and do, do you you know live your life constantly trying to repent of multitasking, you know? Well, and I do, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like his, his reframing of how you spend your time. I think that there's a ton of value in that. And honestly, right. it's something that probably needs to come back up again. Like I said, in a father to father, cause I think is right. You know, as parents, especially as parents and parents with young children, that's something that comes to play. And especially with our spouses, I know that that was like a tension yeah. between me and my wife for a couple of years where it felt like 
you know, there's just this partitioning out of like, this is kid time. And then this is this time. And then this is spouse time. And I think what we found is really reframing yeah. how we look at our time together. Less is about like giving to each other and more about, no, this is us spending time together and like refueling intentionally. Each other. This is our time, right? It's, we're not, it's not time that's given to you and it's being taken away from me. It's like, no, this is it's not a zero sum game. Exactly. Yeah. And so, no, I think, I think he's right on there. I think there's the, there, I think there yeah. is a universal truth in that for sure. And again, I'm not negating the universal truth per se that he's trying to kind of paint out here as well. I just saying it's truth for some people, but not me. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's great. All right. I like it. <laughs> From the library, man. So Tuzak, Shakar, Shakan, what was it? Was the- Tiknat Han. Tiknat Han. That's right. That's, That's right. Great. Yep. That's right. You gave me a book. That is the the blue one? Well, okay. So actually, I've got a, a another little little book here. It's a small volume, and it's all it's very tattered. Uh, because is it from a, him? No, this is a because so I've read that the book I'm holding here, and, and the reason I pulled this out. If you are interested in, you know, some of this mindfulness kind of stuff that we've discussed, but how it might work in a Christian framework. Hmm. That's right. It was like from the Catholic priest or something. Yeah. There is a just a, a very small little pocket book that was, it's a collection of writings by deceased now priest named Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton lived in the you know 20th century, and it, there's a small book that uh, is a compilation of his writings. It's called On Christian Contemplation. And this book has been very important to me over the years. That's why this is a very <laughs> ratty tattered up book. And I, I gave a copy of this to every, every groomsman that was at my wedding, actually given several, several copies of it to people over the years. But Merton, again, uh, you know, this is a Bible believing Christian, but who is taking some of these ideas of being present and mindful. And he's kind of trying to wrestle with that in the framework of a Christian worldview. And so if that's something that interests you, I would commend this tiny little book to you on Christian contemplation by Thomas Merton. Just something to think about, but uh, it, it made me think of this book as I was kind of, you know, reading some of this material, um, thinking about mindfulness and getting ready for uh, for this episode. So, All right. Anyway, yeah, man. Well, one thing I'm going to be mindful of, and that is every single Tuesday, our friends at Missouri Mirsham are putting on Cobb Tuesday. They are. They are putting on Cobb Tuesday for the next several weeks. Man, if you go to Missouri Mirsham's Facebook page on Tuesday, they will be doing a question or a uh, some type of um, engagement where they're inviting the greater pipe community to participate, to answer these questions, and they're going to pick their favorite answers. And one of those lucky people is going to win a prize that they'll draw on Wednesday. And so uh, that prize, uh, you know, a gift certificate or gift card that will, you know, be redeemable at corncobpipe.com. And so, uh, man, just for the next several weeks, be sure to go to Missouri Mearsham's Facebook page on Tuesday. Uh, and engage with that, check into that, and uh, man, you might be the lucky winner. That's right, and big thanks to our friends at Missouri Mirsham for sponsoring the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Pipe question of the week. All right, man. Pipe question this week is coming in from Mark VV. This is what Mark has to say. Captain Jorvik and John David. Ahoy, fellas. <laughs> I have a query for you both. He says, so often uh, Bo is left high and dry on these, so I wanted to ask something of him to be inclusive. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Oh, so thoughtful. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate this. John David, uh, do different types. Uh, then he starts. Then he immediately asks you a question. Then he immediately asks me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Burned. John David, do different types of tobacco leaf, for instance, bright leaf and red Virginias age differently or faster than others? Or is it purely a question of sugar content in the leaf or both or something else? And then I'll ask uh, my question next. Okay. Um, yeah, Mark, the answer is yes. Uh, you know, each leaf, although it's, you know, a member of the greater you know, tobacco, you know, family, they all have their own properties that, that do relate to sugar content, but also the brittleness of the leaf, the moisture content, the fibrousness that that's there, the natural oils that are in the leaf. And so they're all going to age, um, uh, differently, uh, for the most part. And you've got some that don't change a whole lot as they age at all. And you've got some that change very dramatically as they age. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's um, it, not just the sugar content, but it's a whole whole variety of things. Also, the you know the environment that they're in as they're aging. You know, if you've got tobaccos that are in a hot environment, if they're in a more moist environment, you know, if they're uh, under pressure, all those things kind of come into play as well. But the different types of leaves age uh, age differently. There you go. Okay, great question. And then uh, this is the second question, and for Bo. If you really were Captain Jorvik of the Seven Seas, what tobacco would you envision your pirate self smoking? It can be a period appropriate or modern, like Country Squire Treasure Island. As always, I hope you both are well, as well as your dear families. I uh, hope to cross paths with you soon again. This is our friend Mark BV, longtime listener in front of the show. Mm -hmm. So this is a great question. Uh, Captain Jorvik is my uh, my gamer tag. And, uh, oh, I knew I remembered that yeah. somewhere. And yeah. it was a uh, it's it yeah. specifically came about because I uh, this was like a character I kind of created while playing the, the pirate game, Sea of Thieves. And the thing is, though, so it's a great question because Captain Jorvik has kind of taken on a life of his own. I mentioned like you mm -hmm. know I've got these stories that'll play out in my head, 
And when my kids were very, very young, in an effort to try to comfort my daughter who was going to school for the first time, on the way to school, I would tell her stories. And I would tell her uh, the story of Captain Red Wing. And Captain Red Wing is kind of this hero pirate. And, uh, and he, he falls in love with this thief, the Blue Feather. And like together they go off on these adventures and they are uh, constantly being thwarted and chased down by the more evil, the more villainous Captain Jorvik, who is <laughs> kind of based off of this character that I used to play on the, on this video game and everything. And I would give uh, my daughter like a little piece of the story. So it kind of calmed her down in the, in, on the ride to school yeah, and everything. Yeah. And like, you know, they always wanted more. And it was like, you know, they kind of built up over time. And so years and years go in and we get like really deep into this children's story to the point where my wife is like, you know, you really need to kind of like collect these as a story. Like you've been telling the story for like six years now and it just keeps on building and building and, and it needs to be something. So I've been trying to kind of figure out how to do that. Cause obviously I'm dyslexic, you know, writing is not really my forte and everything <laughs> else, but it's, it's very, it has gotten kind of expansive and, yeah. and there's even like a kind of a, a prequel story that takes place like 300 years prior and everything about kind of this you know, um, anyway, uh, well, <laughs> ironically, we'll probably end up talking about this more in a, in a future uh, histories focused episode right. because of uh, the character that will be or the person will be talking about then. But that being said, I've thought many a time about what Captain Jorvik would smoke because he is a pipe smoker. That character is a pipe smoker. And when you're first introduced to him in the story, he kind of comes into kind of this this pirate uh, outpost on a cliff and you know, like the room kind of hushes because Captain Jorvik has entered the building. And of course, he's puffing on a pipe. And so I've often thought about what does he actually smoke? And I've got to say, the world in which this takes place, there are not seven seas, there are five seas. It's kind of a fictional world and everything right. else. So they don't have Perique there because you need Louisiana to have Perique. However, the region in which his pipe tobacco comes from is a very kind of boggy type of region. So the closest thing that we have in our world would be a very Perique heavy blend if a blend at all he's he's smoking a very powerful parique blend of some sort got it yeah got it that's great yeah. I, I i like that that's all tied in you know uh with with you know your interests and yeah i kind of played into that that's right no, that's great that's so that's so cool that you've well, developed that i would encourage you to really try to encapsulate that or put that in some type of anthology that would be you know that needs to be cataloged. So it's kind of one of those things. If if you know, if if I if I get to a place where I finally feel comfortable with you know from the library, then I may, I may try my hand and like maybe read an excerpt on the show. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I tell you though, I would love a writing partner because like yeah, to to have stories trapped in your head and to have like no way to get them out is yeah. awful. When I wrote that play, it was such a liberating like thing to just get the story out on page, and it took forever to do. And then like seeing the actors portray it was even more, it was like, you know, kind of like this, you Real know, cathartic. It really was. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh, like the character's name was Luann and this, the play was like a Western. I was like, you're, you're her, you're, you're Luann. You're right. like yelling at me as I would imagine she would yell at me. Like, it's like really is fan <laughs> fantastic the way that it all came together, even though COVID killed it. <laughs> but just seeing it kind of come to life for even a briefest of moment was really, really cathartic. Mark VV, great questions. Thank you so much. And thank you for including me. I appreciate man, that, brother. Love you, Mark. I'm so grateful for you, man. Absolutely. And if you've got questions for the show, send them in show at countrysquireradio.com. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right, listener feedback this week, man. Just a quick one in coming in from Shables. Shables writes in, Bo, John David, hope y'all are well. Hope to get to see y'all at some point soon with COVID dying down and such. I want to say how tickled I was to hear my name on the St. Ives drawing. 
Oh yeah, this is this is a little bit back in the day. Yeah, not gonna lie, I was uh, having a rough end to a rough year, but that really made my day. And that day, it put a smile on my face, like y'all do so often. Thank you so much as always for all that you do. Kindest regards, and that is from Chase. So Chase, thanks so much, brother. I think that's Chase Abels. Yeah, from, yeah, Chables. Uh, that's yep, what I said. Chables. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, Chase, good friend of the show, and uh, gosh, long time. Uh, long time listener and uh, man, that was that was really really great. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed it, my friend. Absolutely. And hey, if you've got some feedback for the show, of course you can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow the show at Squire Radio. You can follow the shop at underscore Country Squire. You can follow John David at John David Cole, or you can email to the show at show at countrysquireradio.com. But all that information is available at countrysquireradio.com. Well, man, we dived into the mental mind of mindfulness today. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe we just skimmed the surface a little bit. Yeah. Dude, so yeah. am I still doing it right? Because I feel like I challenged the author a little bit, or at least I, I think that's okay. I okay. think that's kind of the point. Yeah. All right. Just to just engage with it. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. I think that's great. All right. Another. <laughs> that's, un- that's why we're here. Another successful entry into the study that is from the library. <laughs> we want to hear y'all's thoughts. Be sure to send them in. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, man. No, I, I dig it. I like it a lot. All right. Hey, let's go have a day. See you, brother. your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first Bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.